At the beginning of 2020, we looked out onto what was going to be a fantastic year of films made by some of the best creators in the industry. But before long, the pandemic came and so many major film releases were delayed until a time when we could return to theaters. Now, at the beginning of 2021, with vaccines on the way and a new slate of release dates to look forward to, let's take a look at the year to come and see what the world of cinema has in store for us. This is Scripter Screen. Welcome back to the show, all you lovely listeners. My name is Christopher Kitchen. I am the co-host of Scripter Screen alongside the other most handsome co-host. Oh, hello. It's me. Zach, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing uh, pretty good. How about you? I am doing great. Zach, as our resident uh, film expert, uh, we come to you for all of our questions, comments, and concerns in the industry. Please tell me, please tell me why, 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 oh, why <laughs> do we have to wait every day for brand new news before we can record a podcast? Because it seems <laughs> so, so like every day something Something little happens. It's like something's it's like you're it's like you're getting at something. Like something it, happened right before we started recording. <laughs> um, if it wasn't obvious enough, this podcast, this episode specifically, uh, we are talking about this this the year in film of 2021 and why we didn't have a year in film in 2020 because nothing came out, and it just seems like that's not true. Created something new. That's not true. Some movies came out. Some some movies. Some good movies. Some. Uh, disappointing movies that probably needed more time in the oven. Uh, what are you talking about specifically? Oh, I don't know. I, 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 I couldn't say. It. I couldn't. Make. Drop a name. Drop, uh, drop a title. Uh, I don't know. I, I You know, let's not throw people under the bus, uh, even if that bus is going in reverse. What about um, an entity? A, a studio, if you will. Ooh. Um... Well, you know, my cellular uh, service hasn't been doing so hot lately, and I think I think the fault falls under uh, my my cell phone carrier, AT and T. Can can we talk about something? Because that only happened in the state of Florida, apparently. Like, in compared to like the rest of the, I mean, at least the rest of the continental U.S. As far as what I read. And, like, South Florida, I think it's anywhere from, like, Palm Beach County, Broward County, Miami-Dade, even Monroe... Uh, they all got screwed. Yeah. And I was I, I was working at the time, so I couldn't really, you know, like manage my phone. I was busy. <laughs> but it was ridiculous, man. AT&T, you're screwing with the studio system. You're <laughs> screwing with our cell phone service. So occasionally, you screw up my internet when we're trying to record a remotely pandemic-safe, improved podcast. Yeah. So what the hell? Yeah, AT&T. Oh, God. Uh, you know what I love is, I don't know if you're familiar with Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, the oh, a billion-time Emmy Award-winning show. Oh, I love um, it. It's, it's such a fantastic show. Their sh- his show is uh, on, it airs on HBO. And when, I think it was when uh, AT&T bought Warner Brothers, and obviously HBO is a property of Warner Brothers, he was talking shit about, um, I forget what, I mean, every week he talks shit about something. And then he's like, and you know who owns them? Our parent company, AT&T. Hi, Dad. You suck ass, Dad. Something like, oh, God. I love he's, that man. Yeah, John Oliver is uh, an absolute delight uh, anytime. He, I can't wait treasure. until they 
he comes back with you know whatever he's got in store for uh 2021 but uh speaking of 2021 uh we kind of we we took our time we combed through the calendar year to see the movies that are coming out uh and compile a list of ones that uh I think we're we're the most hyped for. Um, that being said, today is uh, today happens to be uh, January twenty first, two thousand twenty one, uh, and beside the fact that uh, it happens to be the twenty first day in the twenty first year of the twenty first century, um, a little other crazy thing happened um, right before we started. Uh, recording a uh, our episode about f- the movies coming out this year, uh, where we had compiled a nice long list of dates for specific movies. Uh, we got a delay. We got a delay for a major motion picture release. Uh, no Time to Die, the next James Bond film, which was uh, uh, scheduled to come out April second, two thousand twenty has now officially been pushed back to October 8th. April 20, uh, April 2nd, 2021, what, I thought. What did I say? I, I think you said 2020. Well, we understand what you said. 2021. Either way. Yes. Either way. October 8th. Oh, my God. Already. Already. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty far but, back. I mean, I get listen, it. Listen, I, I, I can honestly think... I don't, I don't, I'm not very sure where we'll be, you know, four months from now, three months from now, actually, now that you know, January is just about over or it will be over by the already, time. Already, right? Yeah, right. Um, that's just the way time works. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, I, I'd rather them push it back instead of me getting what I want on streaming services because it's more convenient. The experience is super important. That is my firm belief. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and um, but then again, I've also seen movies in theaters during the pandemic. So and I've had good experiences most of the times, excluding um you know, dinner in a movie situation. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, yeah, so I think that being said, we're gonna, we're gonna go through our list. Um, and tomorrow the sun may rise and, uh, all these movies might be pushed back a month or two or seven or delayed until 2022. And I hope not, I hope not. But, uh, if by the time this episode airs, none of these dates make sense anymore, we're sorry. We're only human. I mean, I, I would like to say, you know, for the record as well, these are movies that we're super excited for. Um, and if you want us, you know, you want to tell us what movies you're excited for, feel free to reach out to us at www.scripterscreen.com or anchor.fm forward slash screen. Find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. That's at Screen. And just leave us a comment. What do you really want to see in 2021? What do you want to be delayed further so you can have the <laughs> ultimate cinematic experience? I'm I'm talking like no Black Widow this year, guys. Oh I want that five years in the future. What did I text you earlier? I said, oh, you heard they extended John Wick to... 2,222. Yeah, two, <laughs> <laughs> a, whole, a whole 200 years before we see that movie. Yeah. And then you know what? You know, Keanu Reeves, he gets the, the greatest back-end deal ever because it's it'll be adjusted for inflation and you know over what? the span of 200 years. Keanu Reeves, he, he's he got the market there because he, I mean, he's immortal. He he lives forever and... He just uh, won't die. 
He won't die. He won't age. Um, it would be a little concerning if he wasn't just so dang charismatic. But I think with that, we should just we, we should go ahead and get right into it. And I'm uh, looking at I have right here. I have a calendar via thank you to uh, Wikipedia is giving me a calendar of all the American film releases uh, for 2021. Um, and, you know, again, not to say that some of these movies aren't, uh, the movies that we don't mention aren't uh, going to be good, but just the ones that we particularly are looking forward to. Uh, so the first one uh, we have coming out February 12th, 2021 is uh, Minari. Uh, which is going to be going to be it was a, a picture from a24 uh, which it, one of what the a great studio one of the best honestly name one bad a24 film uh give me a second let me look up there <laughs> you're gonna look up their their roster I'll tell you what this company is super it's fantastic they came out just this last you know this last decade 2012 mm-hmm. they were founded. And already they've kind of cemented themselves in as like the one of the biggest voices for like independent filmmakers. It's uh, you it's, know or like low budget films. So to speak. I would say nothing more than let's say like twenty million dollars. And that I could be wrong. It's one of but, those things that I see like a twenty four. I'm like, oh, I'm in for something good. Yeah, I mean, all right. I'm I'll I'll go through some of their their filmography. Right, you have films like uh, Enemy, uh, The Captive. You have uh, Tusk from uh, Kevin Smith. I would say that's, that, that's a, that is a bad movie. Well, fans of Kevin Smith like it. Um, uh, Ex Machina, Amy, what else? Um, um, the Green Room, movies, The Lobster. Movies by uh, uh, um, Ari Aster, uh, The Lobster, um, your, Moonlight, your ghost, uh, Land Moonlight won Best Picture. That is true. That is true. Um, uh, oh, What's uh the Safdie brothers? Uh, yeah, you had good time on there and Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems, which was awesome, super good movie. Adam Sandler, one of his um, best performances. The Lighthouse and The Witch, Robert Eggers, uh, mid nineties, which was um, uh, I believe Jonah Hill's directorial uh, yeah. debut. So like, A twenty four, just just one of the one of the best uh production studios right now uh anytime i see that logo i'm like ooh ooh i'm going to enjoy this uh but minari it is written and directed by uh lee isaac chung and this one i've seen the trailer for and i saw it and i was like i just i wanted to see this movie so bad it has a very honest down to earth feel to it it looks so relatable mm-hmm. Uh, it is about a, it's a drama film about a Korean-American family, the Yee family, who has moved to Arkansas in pursuit of their, uh, the American dream. And it's, it, it just kind of looks like a slice of, like, real life captured on film. Uh, you know, I, it has, if you watch the trailer, it's, it almost has, like, a, a candid feel about it. Um, especially with, um, the, the little boy, I don't know. The, the young actor's name, but the little boy, he just, there's something about it, it just it evokes a very, just, uh, very honest and realistic feel to it. Uh, Steven Ewan from uh, The Walking Dead, he is the lead actor in this, and he's already getting tons of Oscar buzz for it. 
he looks really good in this movie. I got to say, I you know, I didn't watch him in in. I mean, I never watched Walking Dead. To be honest <laughs> with you, um, but I, I am familiar with him in, in some of his like other you know smaller film roles. You know, he was like Okja. You know, yeah. Um, sorry to bother you and, and and things like that. And so I I like him as an actor. I think he's he's a cool guy. Uh, I'm excited to see this. Although I know fans loved him in Walking Dead, and we I've... had like the whole goodbye moment when when his character passed. I guess spoilers. It's been a couple years though. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I I watched Walking Dead for a while because I was big into the the uh, the comics of it. After a while, I gave up on it because it got a little too uh different from the comics in a way that wasn't great. But you know, mm-hmm. we're not talking about that. But he went out exactly how his character went out in the comics, and uh, for his part in that series, he was always good. And this movie, I just it just it looks so good. It's got a uh, you know Steve Yuen, um, another uh, actor in it, Yo Yun Jung, who I believe is playing uh, this grandmother, one of their grandmothers who comes to live with them, and she's foul mouthed and she's funny, and it just it looks like a very heartwarming you know just real depiction of of kind of what what is becoming like a more normal average american family uh you see of, of that, the 21st century i can appreciate that i don't know about you but i feel like as i get older i'm i'm you know I'm not that old um but i i feel like as i mature in life stories like this more like home Party kind of like family mm-hmm. oriented stories. Those are things that I'm I'm way more interested in and attracted to. Like I feel like they have more of an impact on me and and stories that I want to tell as a filmmaker. Right. You know. Um. Then then some of these other things. This is something I'm I'm super excited for. Yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, the name of the boy is Alan Kim. Alan Kim. He, yeah. He stars as David. Okay. And I mean, just yeah. If for any of you listening, if you have not seen uh, the trailer for uh, Minari, please go watch it. It will win you over. I hope so. Um, next on our list is a film that I wrote down personally. Mm-hmm. Um, March 12th, 2021, we get The King's Man by 21st Century Studios, formerly uh, 21st Century Fox, before bought by Disney. Um, this is the third installment in the Kingsman film franchise. These, these movies kind of came out of nowhere for me personally. I, I didn't think I saw a trailer for the first one. I just saw that this movie came out, introduced us to Taron Edgerton. Um, or, hold on, am I getting I I feel like I... Taron Edgerton, yeah. Edgerton, okay. Um, didn't want to butcher his name there. Uh, I'll, what I want to do with our series of synopses today is kind of reveal some things that I, too, didn't know about in films until I read these. Um, So the synopsis for this film is as follows. As a collection of history's worst tyrants and criminal masterminds gathered to plot a war to wipe out millions, one man and his protege must race against time to stop them. So I was like, wait, is this like time travel? Are they racing against time as in like they just have to move as quickly as possible in the (laughs) year? Uh, I think it takes place during the First World War. Is what is what the trailers kind of give us, right? Yeah. Um, but super great cast. Oh yeah, and oh yeah. I'm looking at the cast list. Ralph now. Fiennes. R- Ray Fiennes. Uh, Ray, how, oh, how isn't that Ralph? You. No, it's Ray Ray Fiennes. 
You know, it's funny is that you're not the first person to correct me on that. I've been corrected by a lot of people recently. But uh, let's see. Ray Fiennes, uh, Gemma Art, Art, Artiturn. Arditon. Here I am. God, Zach, you said that wrong. Here I am correcting you, and then I'm messing up. But like Resifons, Matthew Good. Uh, Can I say something about Matthew Good? I just finished watching season two of The Crown recently, okay. and Matthew Good's character as Tony, her uh, Princess Margot's, uh, you know, late. No, I don't want to say late husband. They're both dead at this point. Um, rest in peace, I suppose. Uh, great, great actor. I loved him in Watchmen. Loved him in this. Uh, so I hope that I'll love him in King's Man. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he's like my second favorite live-action Ozymandias, so... Uh, there you go. Is, <laughs> oh, is Jeremy Irons your first? Yeah. He was He great. did so good. He did he so did good. He did do so good. Um, but let's see, Tom Hollander. Uh, right. not, not Tom it, Holland. Can I tell you something about Tom Hollander? Yes. Is he... Is he the, I mean, to me, I look at him and I'm like, this is like discount Martin Freeman. If you can't get Martin <laughs> Freeman... You get Tom Hollander in the uh, role. Budget Martin Freeman. Yeah, I, I really do. But I love Tom Hollander. And, and uh, what was this role that he did? Uh, I think it was called In the Loop a okay. few years ago with uh, James Gandolfini. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it, it had a, a huge cast. But I, I remember Tom Hollander played this role of like this just politician who just didn't know how to be a politician. And then he was being quoted in front of like a live audience about the situation in Britain. And he's like, uh, you know, my people once told me uh, this is a difficult, difficult, lemon difficult. Uh, <laughs> what a great line. That movie, that film was nominated for an Academy Award. <laughs> but First uh, writing. First writing. Nice. But uh, but we, you know, keep looking, you know, some of these movies have huge cast, but like I'm looking at this Daniel Bruhl, Dioman uh, Hunsu, Charles Dance. Is this is Char- like Tywin Lannister? I mean, come on. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Stanley Tucci. It's gonna be, it's gonna be an awesome movie. I remember when I saw the trailer for this one. Um, I was, I was actually kind of interested because I liked, I liked the first one. Yeah. I didn't hate the second one, even though it was kind of stupid. It was, it was like more fun than the first one. Was like kind of awesome. Right. Like at least the first one, I'm like they had cool gadgets, but at the same time, it was like kind of sort of maybe grounded the the first one was definitely a lot better to watch in the theaters too just because you know we got that whole um leonard skinner in the oh, church that's, scene that's and everything a very good scene yeah like and and that i mean he had the right sound system it was like amazing the right visual quality amazing you know? yeah and i mean the second one had uh in it you know in it on its side of things it had um uh, Elton John in a giant feather suit running around in kicking butt. Uh, yeah. So that was that was pretty funny. But uh, Matthew Vaughn, he's a really good director. You know, just just looking down the list, we got Stardust, Kick Ass, X Men: First Class, and the previous two Kingsman movies. Uh, but when I saw this, I was like, oh wow, this is a very cool twist. That's not something you see a lot with. Um, with, with, like, you know, a film franchise where they'll just, like, throw it back way in the past and just do a very detached entry in a series. Yeah, I don't think that was a bad idea. I feel like a lot more series or franchise, uh, you know, intellectual properties could benefit from doing something like that versus always... I mean, then again, 
you, you know, we get your biggest complaint with Star Wars, then, oh, well, where was this before? And why wasn't this there? But I, I honestly think <laughs> well, that things like this could make, like, good setups. Don't necessarily need continuations after the fact, but, like, it's a fun way to stay within the world of a franchise and also do something slightly different while keeping the fundamentals the same. Right. And, uh, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, World War One. That's uh, something we're seeing getting more and more attention as the years go on because I feel like for you know so long World War One was something no one wanted to really relive, well, relive or 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 shine a light on. But you know, in recent years, we've gotten like the first Wonder Woman. We've gotten nineteen seventeen. Uh, we've got this new movie, The King's Man. There's that one directed by Peter Jackson. They shall. Uh, they shall not grow old. Yeah, I believe I'm getting the name of that right. No, you you did you did like it was it was like the it was kind of like a documentary. The, it was a documentary where he yeah. colorized the um, the black and white footage and had like sound effects, like fully experts, like recreate what it was sounding like at the time. I mean, you go back a couple of years and we also get a movie like War, War Horse. You know, yeah, 2011 oh, that's War right, Horse. War Horse. That was and that was incredible. That movie was so good. My um, my AP world history uh, teacher in high school showed that to the class. He's like, I usually don't show certain movies uh, to students just because it could be a waste of time. But this movie, I feel like, did a really good job of kind of displaying a lot of, you know, the the ons going on right in, uh, during this time. So, all right, I guess let's we can keep moving forward a little bit. Uh... We'll, we'll skip No Time to Die, because now that's an October movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and move into uh, a, a filmmaker who I think is very near and dear to both of us. Oh, I love this man. On April 23rd, 2021, we're expected to get Last Night in Soho from Focus Features. Uh, story by Edgar Wright, written by Christy Wilson uh, Cairns. I feel like I, Ca- I didn't Cairns. Cairns. Um, and directed by the one and only Edgar Wright. This uh, man himself. This is, this is the greatest, one of the greatest filmmakers that's living right now. I think this I, will I mean, be a very interesting uh, uh, thing for him because I believe this is his first movie that he has directed that he has not written. Or like, well, he had a co-writer with him on this one, right? And so, I mean, remember, he was expected to direct Ant Man uh, originally. And he co-wrote that with someone else as well. I just feel like, you know, maybe he was, he just, you know, he's too much of a, of an independent, you know, type of, type of filmmaker. You know, I, I, I honestly, I really enjoyed his last film, uh, Baby Driver. Oh, yeah. you know, Baby that, Driver that was, great. and that's the one that came after, well, I, I don't know when World's End was what year, 2000. 2012, 2014. Here, let's see. The uh, world's end. I think that's the world's ends was all right. That was 2013, right? I don't know when Scott Pilgrim came out in relation to that. I think Scott Pilgrim was a year or two before then. By the way, I don't know if you know anything different from me, but uh, according to my sources here, and I don't mean to upset you. But What's it looks mean? like Last Night in Soho is an October release. Where's your source? Let's see. This is... No, we do. We go down here. Previously scheduled for April 20th is scheduled to release on September 
October twenty second, twenty twenty one. This is from uh, (laughs) Deadline Hollywood. Yep, it's October twenty second, twenty twenty one. So, dude, oh my god! I, you know, what's funny is that I have my information page open, ladies and gentlemen. This is podcast editing at its best. Um, I I have it open right next to it, and I I have where I highlighted uh, April twenty third. The next line under says October twenty second. Well, you know what this means? My birthday month of October. Um, it's gonna be packed. It's it's gonna be packed with like movies every other week, assuming usually, they follow up with these dates that they're playing. Usually, uh, I'm the I'm the movie birthday boy, but this this year it might be you. I know. It's not. You know, I almost got uh, the Batman on my birthday too, like on the day. Yeah. And then they screwed me, but now I get Dune, so <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm complaining because I was supposed to have Dune. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Edgar Wright, terrific, terrific. Uh, filmmaker. I love the show Spaced. It's one of the funniest television shows I have ever seen. Um, obviously, his Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy is is legendary. I, and... I want to ask you, which one's your favorite one? Oh, I, I uh, can tell you, my, mine for sure is Hot Fuzz. Always it might be Hot Fuzz. Be. I, I like I like Shaun of the Dead a lot because I, I like zombie yeah. movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, but Hot Fuzz, I feel like it's so, like, I feel like all three of those movies, like, it's someone, it's a filmmaker just in absolute control of their art. Um, but I think it might be Hot Fuzz. I think Hot Fuzz is one of the funniest uh, uh, scripts uh, I've ever, you know, seen. Uh, but they're all, they're all so good. So for me, it's like Hot Fuzz was the, also the first one of the three of them I watched. And okay. then I did Shaun of the Dead. And then years later, I would do The World's End. I, I feel like The World's End, a lot of people don't like it as much, but it's really grown on me. It's it's fan, it's really good. I think a lot of people, um, you I know. I feel like a lot of people can relate to it is the problem. Yeah, and they don't want to. I, I, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you might be right there. You might be right. Um uh, a quick synopsis before I feel like we uh, we move on because not a lot has been shown about this film yet. You know, they just wrapped production uh, last year, um, right before the pandemic too. I think yeah. they've been in post since, so uh, it's an upcoming psychological horror film. You know, like that's super interesting. That is new ground for him. I I want to say, and uh, it focuses on a young wannabe fashion designer played by Anya Taylor Joy. It's just coming off of her success with. Um, What's the this chess show that everybody's been watching? Oh, uh, Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Everybody's rave reviews across the board about this show. I expect big, uh, big things at the Emmys next year. Yeah. Um, but it's about a, a young wannabe fashion designer girl who mysteriously enters the 1960s to encounter her idol. That sounds super. What is this like a Midnight in Paris kind of vibe? Or? Midnight in Paris meets the Neon Demon. There. Okay, there you meets go. Meets Suspiria. Oh, and speaking of Suspiria. Hit him. The next film in our list has nothing to do with Suspiria. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but May 21st, 2021. You know, we're expecting. We don't know. Well, Who let's knows? just say uh, I'd like to play a game. It's Spiral from the Book of Saw. Lionsgate. Written by Josh Stolberg. And Peter Goldfinger, directed by Darren Lynn Boozman. Um, dude, this I, was kind of a surprise I, announcement. Super surprising. 
Chris Rock, Samuel Jackson. What? Like the, the I mean, one Chris Rock's had a great year in the last. I mean, I want to say the last year and a half uh, between the comedy specials and then now you know he Fargo. Just did Fargo and then now he has this. You know, dude. And at the same time, yeah, that we didn't even have any idea what this was about until maybe the last image in the trailer. You know, uh, here's the quick synopsis. Working in the shadow of an esteemed police veteran, uh, played by Samuel Jackson, brash detective Ezekiel Zeke Banks, played by Chris Rock, and his rookie partner, William Schneck, played by Max Minghella, take a charge of a grisly investigation into murders that are eerily reminiscent of the city's gruesome past. Unwittingly trapped in a deepening mystery, Zeke finds himself at the center of the killer's morbid game. Let me tell you something. There is one thing I like better than a sequel, and it is a sleeper sequel. One that kind of creeps in under the radar, and uh, I think that was like the big uh, spoilers uh, real fast, you know, for anyone who cares. But that was kind of the big, you know, swerve on the movie Split, was that, oh, shock and surprise, it's a Unbreakable sequel. Yeah, and and I think you know I that definitely played on to success just a little bit. Yeah, I, I personally good movie. I'm not a huge yeah, <laughs> I'm not a huge uh, M Night fan. I acknowledge like his earlier films are are good, but um, but oh, you don't like Avatar, <laughs> dude. There there's some there's parts of uh, that movie where I'm just like I'm like how how. I don't know. But you, anyway, you, you got to love that stuff. I well, was actually watching an interview with uh what's his name? Dave Dev Patel uh-huh. saying that that's probably one of the his biggest regrets in his career is doing that film. I don't blame him. But uh yeah, <laughs> yeah so um but it's cool like you know when these kinds of things happen that you know a movie comes out and it's like surprise it, it you know this is a sequel to something thought you thought the soft franchise was done uh but it's not Admittedly, the Saw franchise uh, had, I think, outlived itself uh, by a long margin. They definitely made a lot of money for Lionsgate, and also, I don't know, but I don't. How many of them did you watch? Did you watch all of them? I have seen like the first like four. So, so James. I feel like Wan, I saw the first six of them. <laughs> James Wan directed the first one, and yeah. then this guy Darren Lynn Bozeman, uh, he directed two, three, and four. Okay. And so it's kind of like, oh, a return to form. Uh, yeah. The person who's who's had the biggest uh, fingerprint on the series. But, like, after a while, it just it's just torture porn. And that's yeah. what I'm really hoping changes with Spiral, and I think will change, is that it, the fact that it, it's more of a detective, you know, story, maybe that means it'll be a, a bit more interesting. I hope so. I mean, listen, they they got you with this good cast, and hopefully they deliver with uh, exceptional story. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, and uh, that's all we can hope for. And yeah. hopefully they don't push the date back. Actually, I don't really care. I, I should probably say this right now because I'm talking too much about the dates, but they can push the dates back whenever they want to or see fit as long as we get the most perfect viewing experience and it's safe to do so. Um, that's that's what matters, I think. Right. So. I think that's it, the biggest thing. For sure. You don't want to force a movie to come out before it's ready and 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 before the world's ready too. Before the world's ready and and then 
it doesn't live up to people's expectations and you know, people can't really understand what the people are saying in the movie and you do a bunch of interviews where you defend yourself but you just kind of come across as petty you don't want that yeah um but you know whatever we're you know not talking about anything specific moving on <laughs> tentatively for may 7th 2021 we have marvel studios black widow finally story by jack schaefer and ned benson written by eric pearson directed by kate shortland and uh this movie is the i don't think it needs much introduction it's you know? yeah i wrote it's the long-awaited much delayed return of the mcu to the big screen obviously right now we uh we are in the middle of wandavision on disney plus it is streaming now i think there's a new episode coming out tomorrow uh tomorrow already friday i know right and uh so you know black widow was supposed to be our big like starting to phase four and obviously that's not going to happen now it's going to be like the second or third entry into it but uh this one's going to be really cool uh set in between captain america civil war and avengers infinity war black widow sees natasha romanoff return to russia to reconnect with her family while dealing with a new threat in the form of the villainous Taskmaster. Ooh, the Taskmaster. Taskmaster, one of the cooler uh, kind of like low-tier Marvel villains. He has like photographic reflexes, so he can yeah. like watch someone fight and then fight just like them. And we've seen in the trailers where he's got like Black Panther claws and... A Captain Spider-Man America, flips. Spider-Man flips and Captain America shield and a Hawkeye bow. And he can do the same punches as, as black widow. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I mean, listen, he looks cool. Uh, I'd like to see where it goes. I think what was it for a while? We thought, Oh, what if that's just Ronin or, or something like that? It could be anybody who knows. Yeah. It's going to be uh it's going to be pretty, pretty cool. I think. And, um, I like that they're laying some groundwork, though. They're, I mean, this film is introducing uh, new characters played by Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz, David Arbor. So, um, Florence Pugh, this is interesting. Um, I know it had been speculated for a while that she was basically... Because, spoilers, uh, Black Widow's dead. Um, this is, you know, obviously takes place before that. But uh, there had been rumors that Florence Pugh uh, would be taking over as like the de facto black widow yeah, like the mantle for... right dude i'm for it let me tell you something let I me think t- i fell in love with her after um <laughs> midsummer no, well all right so in the same you said like, this is a real stressed out person in, in, this, in the same period of like maybe two months i watched midsummer um or summer how however it said midsummer um, fighting with my family mm-hmm. and i also watched little women the, the new one she did yes. um, from greta gerwig that one, a fantastic performance by her. Uh, also, she's super cute. Um, and so <laughs> I watched a her... wonderful uh, thing of like, uh, uh, I guess she has a pet cactus and it had a growth on it. And there's this compilation of like Instagram stories of her trying to deal with this growth on her cactus. It's it's very funny, very relatable. Um, but Honestly, Florence Pugh. I don't know Great if you career, heard... go ahead, going, going oh, for her. Absolutely, and, and I don't know if you heard about this, but let me just confirm. Uh, she has been confirmed to be reprising her role in the Hawkeye series. I'm for it. So, I welcome it. 
uh, that's going to be really cool. So it's kind of like our our confirmation that yes, she will be a mainstay going forward. But let's see, we got we got David Harbor, uh, fresh off Stranger Things as the Red Guardian. Uh, Not kinda, to mention, I, I feel like he's also had a bunch of other kind of smaller roles in his career until Stranger Things, uh, right. or like kind of surrounding it, which is super funny. Like seeing him in Suicide Squad for like the brief ten seconds, and then seeing yeah. him. You know, he's what in else? Quantum of Solace. Oh, is he? Yeah, like in a. Oh man! A lot of times he played like a kind of a uh, like a, a government type person, but of course he was the new Hellboy, yeah. and I know that movie was terrible, but. Uh, yeah, he's he's a really good actor, and uh, in this movie, he's going to be kind of like Russia's answer to Captain America. Which was awesome. It looks really funny, because he's like not in shape at all. He's got the big, giant beard. Yeah. From the trailers, it looks like they bust him out of a gulag, which I think red, is pretty funny. Red Guardian, if if you will. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, of course, Rachel Weisz uh, as another uh, older member of the Black Widow group red room um, the, uh, yeah. association what, what what do they call that the, like the black, that, that faction the black widow program i guess uh, scarlett johansson and the black widows is the <laughs> name of the band and um but but you know rachel weiss i just you know we were we were talking about this the other day but uh i just re-watched the lobster and ah. what a absolutely hilarious uh just unique film and she is you know you say that movie's hilarious i think that movie gives me the creeps re-watch but it, it. it does so in the most interesting <laughs> way I've, it. I've rewatched there's it like three times now and it's absolute, like oh my god it's so uncomfortable it's so good there's some absolutely hilarious moments in there uh yeah. and she does such a good job in it and um but uh yeah that's you know obviously i i listed a few of the marvel movies because hey I like I like superhero films and I want to see all of them. I I will say though, you know, the difference is that Disney will not release this on Disney Plus. If they do, they know what they're missing out on. Yeah. Missing out on that moolah. You know what I'm saying? You just you just can't. So I'm I'm happy that they're pushing it back. I'm I you know, safety safety first. Disney, that's, come on, safety for your wallet, safety for the people. Let's let's, let's remain calm around here. Yeah. So let's let's uh keep moving forward, keep moving and forward through it. This and... this next one is about, you know, May 2021, I think is the newest kind of date. Um See, I'm looking it... I I'm I'm confirming these things when I see when I see them coming on the list and I don't see this one. All right. Well, what's your, what's your source, man? It doesn't matter. I I don't want to keep these people waiting. These folks they they waited long enough. This one's uh The French Dispatch. By Searchlight Pictures, a formerly Fox Searchlight before it was bought by Disney. Story by Wes Anderson, Roman Coppola, Hugo Guinness, and Jason Schwartzman. Written by and directed by Wes Anderson. Dude, the next uh, the next project. I think this is his first one since Isle of Dogs. First major film. He had a, two short films, I think, that came in the last few years. One but of them. Wes Anderson, he, he's just such a such a fun director. You know what you're getting when you go into one of his movies. Yeah, you're getting I mean, meticulous just... art and production design, symmetry, and, uh, symmetry. The same cast of characters, like Idio. Listen to this. That, that's what we call a, a repertoire. So, um, uh, the returning collaborators are Liev Schreiber, Edward Norton, uh, uh, Willem Dafoe, Saoirse Ronan, Jason Schwartzman, Angelica uh, Huston, uh, and then Houston. Excuse me. 
Um, but like the, then, the cast, dude. like I know, like with all of his movies, uh, there's always so many people. But like I'm looking at this cast, and it's so, Benicio del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Leia Seydoux, uh, Francis McDormand, Timothy Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet, Jeffrey Wright. Like oh my god, and like um, Grand Budapest Hotel was like one of my favorite movies of the the past, like you know, last yeah. ten years. Yeah. Um. So, like, and, and all of his movies are just, they're always such a blast to watch. Can I tell you something? This film, I, I, I don't know the, you know the relationship with his prior films, but this film only has a budget, recorded budget of about $25 million, and he has this whole star-studded cast. I think he's able to do it for so low, comparatively to, you know, all these AAA and B actors and things of the sort. Um for this low, in comparison to what these guys are probably used to be paying on some of their other films, like just because they want to work with this director, yeah, they absolutely. love the, the producing team around Wes Anderson. If I was projects a, are interesting. If I was a working uh, actor, uh, which uh, you are, especially SAG, SAG carded and all, hire Zach, please, if, please. Uh, but if uh, you know, I was you know big into film and I you know, was had the chance to do a Wes Anderson film, I think I'd jump at it because I, I would do background even. I <laughs> would not care. Just I wanna be let me be on set. Let me get somebody coffee. Yeah, so definitely this one is going to be very, very fun to watch. Um and yeah, I think um that's and I don't know anything else uh, to say just, about it. It's exciting. It was one of my, I was hoping to get it last year, and we didn't. But you know, life goes on. Uh, so next on our on our lovely list, uh, back another A twenty four, another interesting A twenty four piece. Uh, uh, you know, tentatively June thirtieth, twenty twenty one, is the Green Knight, written and directed by David Lowry. Yeah, this Dude. one, uh, based on. Uh, uh, an Arthurian uh, myth. The it's... Green Knight tells a story of Sir Gawain or Gawain. How how would you pronounce that? Gawain. 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 I'm sure some some uh, English person will will correct us. Um, and it's good. And we'll I butcher the language often. <laughs> uh, played by Dev Patel, King Arthur's headstrong nephew, who embarks on a quest to confront the eponymous. Green Knight, a gigantic green-skinned stranger. So the trailer for this was wild. It was one of those things where I was like, oh my god, like, visually striking. I have a soft spot for fantasy, um, and I think this could be a very, very, just, just, you know... It could be, uh, like, a surreal experience. Visually, visually striking film. Uh, David Lowry director i, I want to know how, how familiar with his career are you pretty pretty uh familiar ain't them body saints with uh rooney mara casey affleck uh i remember back when that came out i you know absolutely was like i have to see this movie uh pete's dragon i uh, was that the new pete's dragon with um robert redford it is did um, you watch a ghost story uh no i did not let me tell you something this film was only made for about a hundred thousand dollars according to a lot of people it made like 1.9 million in the box office super super like intimate small story um starring Remar and Casey Affleck again okay um 
filmed all almost on all one location and full of like long takes, you know, silence and just like ambient noise and things like that. Oh my God, super transformative. Like this was such, it took me forever. I wanted to watch this movie originally when it came out, but it took me so long to get to it. When I did, uh, I was greeted with like this four by three, uh, you know, like TV box versus like a widescreen, like of an image um, and just like this really down to earth story about like kind of life after death yeah, and the, uh, the experience that, you know, s- spirits or things may go through. Um, oh man, dude, it, it, it kind of warmed my heart in a way. That's interesting. And then, um, he did, uh, the old man, the gun back with, uh, Robert Redford. That was good a- old Bob. <laughs> and, uh, he is, uh, currently, uh, I guess on tap to direct, uh, Peter Pan and Wendy which is going to be a live-action, I guess, interpretation of Peter Pan for Disney. Oh, this one is by Disney. Yes. Oh, Disney's Disney. Peter Pan and Wendy. He's co-writing it with a Toby Holbrooks. So you know, uh, that could be that could be something I like. You know, these these directors that are proven talents in their field. You know, Jude Law is going to be playing uh, Captain Hook. I can see it. I, I actually don't think so. I saw he's casted in, but it doesn't say as as to who he'll be playing. I could be wrong. Well, you I never know. I yeah, I don't think... I don't know. So, uh, moving back away from the uh, prestige dramas of A24, we're back with, uh, with the fun action of Marvel Studios with July 20... Uh, no, July 9th, 2021, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, this is going to be cool. This is going to be the first uh, uh, MCU film with a uh, lead of Asian descent, a cast that is largely of Asian descent, and uh, a, an Asian director as well. The uh, movie is directed by uh, Destin Daniel Cretton, and, uh, you know, bringing martial arts into the MCU. I don't know about you. This cast uh, super interests me. Uh, I want to signal out one specifically, uh, Aquafina. Aquafina. Oh my god. She surprised the hell out of me with the farewell. That was a fantastic film by Lulu Wang. Yep. Loved it. Super great. I'd watch it a thousand more times, uh, uh, given the time. Yeah, Simu Liu is gonna be Shang Chi. Aquafina. Tony Leung is gonna be our new kind of like modern day interpretation of the mandarin i don't think he, he's going to be going by wen wu not the mandarin because uh and again i'll say this uh for for anyone who was salty about how the mandarin was depicted in iron man 3 nobody wants comic book accurate mandarin he is an asian stereotype so let me let me ask you something um the, I, this is a clarification because I don't even know because the mm-hmm. Ten Rings existed in the first Iron Man, right? If we remember, as like the organization and and what we think is some part of Eastern Europe or or the Middle East, right, right. Um, and and so I don't realize those are two very different regions. But he's talking about guys speaking Hungarian, so I have no idea what else to think. I'm not um, sure. I it'll be interesting to see how they um, they're related to this version of the Ten Rings, right? And and how this whole thing plays out because Marvel does this clever thing where they tie things in from old movies and they create this illusion that they had a plan all along. When probably when they made Iron Man one, 
they said, oh, make up the Ten Rings. Ten Rings is Mandarin, and uh, Mandarin uh, was originally an enemy of Iron Man, so if we get there, we get there. If not, it was just there. And now they want to do Mandarin again, and so they go, okay, well, we'll include the Ten Rings. But uh, one other person, uh, two other people, excuse me, that I want to point out in this cast, uh, one... Ronnie Chang from uh, The Daily Show. I, I love his stand-up, man. That funny, is a funny guy. Funny dude. <laughs> and uh, Michelle Yeoh from, uh, you know, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, and uh, a bunch of other movies. I'm totally blinking on uh, what was the other movie she did that I absolutely... You know, funny enough, it's actually one of uh, my girlfriend's favorite movies, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I that say movie... that, and she was just forced to watch it as a child. And uh, so I, I just kind of make fun of her. I'm like, so that's like your favorite movie. You watch it all the time. Uh, I don't know, know how into... Uh, into uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Dude, yeah. I, I love me some movie wire fighting. It's it's great. That I, has one of my favorite uh, fight scenes of any movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, of course. What am I saying? She was in uh, Crazy Rich Asians. God, I'm, I feel like an idiot. Another really great movie. Yeah. Ronnie Chang was also in that movie, and so was Aquafina. Yeah, I know. Weird. It's like it's like Hollywood only has like a few go-to people. It's like whenever they need like a very like um, professional uh, and like authoritative Japanese person, they go to like, Ken Watanabe. Yeah, uh, but you, like, you know what's you know, interesting? Is come that, on, Hollywood! Is... You gotta hire you know like Beat Kitano. Come on. Let Let me tell you something. Because when Disney was doing the hiring from um, for Mulan, I, I heard on a podcast with one of the actors that was on the film that mm-hmm. he almost didn't get the part because he had to prove what like region of China like his family comes from because mm-hmm. they only wanted to hire very specific uh, like Chinese uh, actors versus like actors of like Korean descent or Japanese descent that were that could speak Mandarin as well or like that could that knew of the heritage of 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 China, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, you know, there was a, I guess, uh, a double-edged sword on, on that regard because it's like almost saying, oh, uh, we're, we're hiring, hiring you cause you're a specific type of Asian, but you're also not the type of Asian that we need. And it's kind of, you know, unfortunately, up, unfortunately, like, uh, Hollywood is awful that the, um, the big one I always point to, there's a terrible episode of, I think it was like. Uh, Walker Texas Ranger from like mm-hmm. the 80s where they had um uh George Takei a Japanese man playing a like a Chinese like drug kingpin or something yeah and it was just like it's so cringy it's so bad um George Takei is national treasure though yeah and again you know George Takei who played uh Hikaru Sulu they cast John Cho as Hikaru Sulu in the J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, um, Star Trek series. Again. I liked I liked John Cho, though. John Cho did a good job, uh, and I'm excited to see him uh, portray Spike Spiegel in the live-action Cowboy Bebop move, uh, series. Was he, even... Wasn't he just injured on the set? Yeah, he like broke his leg. But again, oh. uh, we're kind of getting off the track. Also, I don't know if the live-action Cowboy Bebop is going to be good. Uh, I hope. Oh yeah, because it's it's Netflix's listen, deal. Listen. They don't 
They don't know how to Net- adapt things all the way that well. Is, Netflix is playing with fire. <laughs> Their with track one. record for anime adaptations is uh, a little spec. Uh, I'm know. just saying they're playing with fire with one of my favorite uh, uh, animes of all time. So I'm watching you, Netflix. I, I'd say let them take certain liberties, just not every liberty ever. We'll see. It's an adaptation. Moving on. October have, October 1st. 1st it has been a long time coming, but October the, 1st, 2021, we are the getting... The eve of my birthday. We are getting Dune. By Legendary Entertainment. Based on the novel by Frank Herbert, written by John Spates and Denis Villeneuve, and Eric Roth, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Dude. I am so freaking hyped for this movie dude i mean come on this is you know i i i welcome this pushback i i I call it pushback it is this postponing of the release because you know what if we were actually going to get it when we did um you know in december of this last year that would have only been like what two three maybe up to four months before you know we got like the first trailer we got the trailer during um the tenant release right that was oh my god september august so to speak i forget very forgettable movie, Tenet was. Um, but I, I'm glad that we have this kind of this longer period of time. Kind of, we can build some more hype. Hopefully, the world will stabilize a little more, you know, and and then we can get like the experience that we were we were made to have. If there's one movie that I hope that does not get pushed back, get pushed back. Excuse me, it's Dune. I am. Let me t- let me tell you, I'm gonna be there day one for this movie. I'm so hyped. For anyone who doesn't know. Dune, it's a science fiction uh, series. It's about uh, set in the very distant future where um, there are there's a you know galactic uh, a, you know feudal system where where houses, great houses, almost like Game of Thrones, um, uh, basically vie for power of these planets. And there's the planet of Arrakis, also called Dune, where they cultivate this uh substance called spice or melange and it's like the most valuable asset in the entire like universe and the uh main family uh house atreides is assigned to watch over this planet basically act as stewards for it and uh uh and they have taken it from uh, they're they're kind of like the rival house, uh, House Harkonnen, and uh, I don't want to get too far into it uh, in explaining it because a lot of the stuff that in the trailer kind of already explains it, and honestly, I think the trailer might give a little too much away, but uh, it's really cool. There are these people who live out in the deserts, Arrakis, by the way, giant desert planet. Um, but there are the people who live out in the desert called the Fremen. There are giant sandworms, uh, and it's, it's just, it, I am so hyped for this film. I, I couldn't agree more. I am, I am excited. gives me more time to attempt to read the book that maybe (laughs) I, I may not find time to do, but I will try. That's okay. I think if anyone can, can translate it to a, um, digestible manner, I think, um, Denis Villeneuve is, is the man to do it. He is such a talented filmmaker. Uh, Hans Zimmer 
handling the music. He uh, composed the version of um, uh, was it Eclipse from uh, Pink Floyd. He Ooh. he composed that specifically for the trailer. Um, Let me tell you what though, I think David Lynch would would disagree with <laughs> David him. Lynch. I don't know. Here's the thing. Uh, people like to say, oh, but David Lynch, because he he did the first one. David Lynch never read Dune. David Lynch refused to read Dune. I don't care about the David he, Lynch he, version. He's, he's, an interesting, he's an interesting filmmaker. Absolutely. You know, like he's, I, he's... I like David Lynch films. I don't think David Lynch was the right person to make this film. Yeah. He, you know, <laughs> but, um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave him be. The cast is amazing. Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson... Oscar Isaacs, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, uh, Zendaya, uh, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem. Like, that's, that is, like, so many good actors. Okay, so here's the thing. I, you know how earlier I talked about uh, French Dispatch having, like, a lot of, you know, AAA to, like, triple B kind of, like, mainstay actors versus, and that's $25 million budget versus this film. $165 $165 million budget with all these names. And I, you know, granted, a lot of that is also used for VFX and, and things of the sort. Um, but you got to think like Timothy Chalamet, uh, Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac, um, Zendaya, you know, I, I, Javier Bardem, all these people, you know, they're not taking million dollar paychecks. They're, they, they're, they're definitely getting their hands full. Again, I would want to. But say. then, like, you know, to work with someone like Denis Villeneuve and. Actually, this is only the first of two parts. Uh, it's going to be a two-part uh, movie, uh, I guess, series. Um, part of the reason that uh, Denis Villeneuve was so outspoken against AT&T when they made their uh, big move to streaming for the year was that the return on this movie may not justify a second film. And the yeah. the you know closure of the story he is creating, not creating but uh, retelling. Does and that worry you that like maybe he would have wanted to I finish th- it a different way if if he didn't get the opportunity to make the second film? Well, I think that it would upset me, but I think kind of like we talked about in our last episode, um, since Warner Brothers is basically treating each of these movies like a critical success. Yeah. I think that gives me hope that we will see Dune Part Two. Well, we we got to think about it. It's critical success in terms of the payouts for the actors and the the above the line crew versus what does that hope, mean for their I own investment? Ho- I would hope Denis Villeneuve is above the line. No, no, he is. What I'm saying is that like it's just their own money that they, they have to worry about now that they've made all these promises to pay these people millions of dollars and things like of the sort like. You think they might reevaluate it and be like, okay, well, where can we cut? Because the one thing is they're going to be losing money regardless. So they're either going to take out, you know, money from their own uh, other entities that, that AT&T owns. They're like, okay, well, maybe we could shut down a hundred other call centers and, you know, we'll readjust. I mean, that's what happened to Disney. You know, they bought Fox and then the next day they laid off like 20,000 people, you know, and that's the thing. They, they had to show some sort of profitability in, in certain sectors and whatnot. Um, and I don't, yeah, you know, I, I don't, think I, don't know. I, I am hoping beyond hope that, um, that this film does well, that we get our second part, yeah, uh, because I, I know that Zendaya said that she, I think only filmed for like a week. Uh, but that tells me that I kind of know 
where this book is going to, where this movie's going to leave off in terms of where in the book. And then with the second one, it'll be covering, you know, probably the last third of the book or something. But um, I'm just, yeah, it's going to be great. The trailer, I probably watched half of all viewings on YouTube were me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> that's a lot of. That's a lot of cheese, it a, guys. That's such a good trailer, though. And, um, yeah, I, I think I've gushed enough about this movie. We can kind of move forward with, uh, uh, technically move back, but... Uh, that's true, that's true. The next one, uh, tentatively October 15th. Oh, no, uh, October se- October 8th. Oh, it moved to October 8th? Yeah. Or am I... Oh, wow, it moved no back? Time, no, no, We're, I'm talking no time to die. Oh, yeah, the the <laughs> latest and greatest of the James Bond movies that and Netflix tried to buy for how much was it like two hundred million? They were like, I got I got a paper clip and some pocket lint. Who, no, who was it? MGM was trying to sell this movie to any streaming service uh, for six hundred million dollars, and then Netflix lowballed them for like two hundred something million. They're like, yeah, take it or leave it, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, dude, that is a uh, that is a ballsy move. But uh, no time to die. No time to die. This is gonna be cool. Directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, um, the fifth entry in the Daniel Craig uh, James Bond. Fifth and final for James J- Daniel Craig. I pr- probably Spectre was going to be the final one, um, and then you know they said, but but and then it wasn't. But Daniel, money. And he said, oh, right, right, right. Um, <laughs> no, I, everyone likes to quote uh, Daniel Craig in that one interview that he did, like, the day after he finished filming Spectre. Or they're like, when's the next one? He's like, I'd rather cut my wrists than do another one. But it had been, like, I don't know, like, a day or a week after he had finished filming. And it's like, yeah, the guy's tired. Give him a break. Yeah. Uh, let, let me tell you something. I, I want to talk about this director, though. Yeah. Kerry Fuk- uh, Fukunaga. Fukunaga. Kerry Joji Fukunaga. He directed the entire first season of True Detective. The best season of True Detective. I don't know. Season three was also pretty good. I did not see it yet. I, but I, I, I actually, heard it was not as good I as season, season three one. very like near and dear to like my heart in terms of like that excellent was with, uh, quality Mahershala television. Ali, right? Yeah. Nice. And then um, uh, he he did Beasts of No Nation. He was originally attached to direct It and then had to kind of step away from it. But uh, yeah, so this cast, wonderful. We got Daniel Craig as uh, Jimothy Bond. <laughs> I was like going to say, who would have thought? We've got uh, Leia Seydoux coming, uh, returning as Dr. Madeline Swan. She was Inspector. Um and she Death Stranding, the Hideo Kojima game. It, uh, Inglorious Bastards, the first scene. Uh, there we, you go. go <laughs> we've on. got great actress. Obviously, we got uh, Ben Winshaw as Q, Naomi Harris as Eve Moneypenny, uh, Jeffrey Wright coming back. I think it's the first time he's been back since Casino Royale as a uh, Felix Leiter. Uh, yeah. Ray Fiennes as M. Christoph Waltz reprising his role from Spectre as Ernst Stavro Blofeld, who was uh, obviously James Bond's longtime 
uh, uh, arch nemesis, and uh, a few a few new faces popping up into Bond. Main bad guy, main villain of it, uh, Rami Malek. Coming as... off his Oscar win from uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the well-deserved yeah. Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody movie of wasn't... all of its critical Mo- acclaim. Movie wasn't amazing, but he did really good. Uh, I watched it a, so a couple Safin, of times, I'll be honest. Let me tell you about these James Bond movies, uh, at least these new ones. Uh, they're not honest. At least their advertisements are not honest, and when Christoph Waltz played uh, Blofeld in Spectre, he uh, he had gone under another name. I can't remember. They had said, "Oh, his name is is this." They pulled a they pulled a con from Star Trek Into Darkness, where they they gave him a fake name to throw people off the scent. Like oh, they called him like so John Smith. They called him <laughs> so in in the I remember in all the advertisements for the movie and all the stuff. And I think at least in the beginning of the film, they call him uh, Franz Oberhauser yeah. and it's, it's revealed that he was in fact uh Blofeld. And so I, it's possible that Remy Malik as Safine could be just another new villain. Uh, Cause we've had in this, uh, in this uh, film series, we've had a, uh, uh, Maz Mikkelsen, yeah, yeah, Maz Mikkelsen as uh, Le Chiffre. We've had um, Javier Bardem, and we've had uh, Dominic Green. I think is the third per- third antagonist, the one from uh, Quantum, Quantum of Solace, the boring yeah. one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but I see like the way they've been showing uh, Raymond Malik in the trailers and stuff, and I'm gonna I'm calling it now. This dude is Doctor No. Yeah, the first the first James Bond villain. Something about it. He's just, I I I get that feeling. He's got like the when they've shown him in the trailers. A he almost looks just like him. Yeah. Um. And I think he's got like that Listen, same kind put of your like, money where your mouth is. Make a bet. How Do much? It. How much? Uh, I literally typed Daniel in, Craig toenails. I li- <laughs> Jesus. I literally typed in Dr. No into Google, and the first thing that came up was a picture of, of Rami Malek of Rami Malek and and Dr. No uh, side by side. Yeah, I, I I know it. He is definitely Dr. No. If I'm wrong, you know what? Maybe it's for the better. But, but honestly, uh, I'm I'm excited. This trailer looks good. Let me, I I want to give a special shout out to Billy Eilish, who needs no shout out from me. But that was a good song. Yeah, she's also the youngest um, performer to ever do a James Bond song. She's yeah. only what, like eighteen at the time. I think she did the song when she was like seventeen or something like that. Yeah, and then um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a good song. I know who's the one who did the the last uh, uh, Sam Smith. I think did the last one. For me, Adele's Skyfall is is like as good to me as like Goldfinger. Didn't like, she win like both a Grammy and an Academy Award for that song? Probably. Like her, yeah. I, I want to say she did. But uh oh, this that's right. This movie uh, also going to have Lashana Lynch in it, uh you know, coming off of um Captain Marvel. But uh she's playing like another 00 agent who's taken over while 007 James Bond has been in retirement. Yeah, so or was supposed to be in retirement at least. I think it's going to be one of those things where they are 
kind of like at each other's like necks uh, for a while, but then they kind of your double O. They have <laughs> they have to uh, come together to to uh, defeat Safin, who's probably Doctor No, and then um, uh, Ana de Armas is playing uh, Paloma, who I guess is it's the you know the next Bond girl. I hope she's not relegated to just being like a, you know, a prey for James Bond. Right. Well, I think now he's kind of like engaged in, in not, I don't want to say marital affairs with, with Leah Sadu's character, but, um, they're kind of like, they left off on a weird note, but also like they've shown in the trailers where he's like, you've been keeping secrets from me and stuff. So, I don't know. It's like, I, I I always like flash back to that uh, scene from Austin Powers. Uh, I think it's like the second one where he finds out his like wife has like been a robot the whole time, and he's like crying. She was and, a fembot. Yeah, and he's like he's like I loved her, and he's like wait a minute, that means I'm single again. <laughs> I feel like it can, uh, like James Bond. It's the exact same thing, but uh, yeah, no. Tune time in to next die. time for our Austin Powers uh, discussions. <laughs> bam, bam, and don't bam, miss them. I can't wait. But, uh, yeah, No Time to Die, it's gonna be cool, uh, some very cool-looking shots in that thing, but, uh, now we can get back on schedule with, um, the next October film. The Last Duel by 20th Century Studios, based on The Last Duel, a true story of trial by combat in in medieval France by Eric Jagger, written by Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Nicole Holof... Holof Center? Holof Center? Directed by Ridley Scott. It's time to duel. Dude, the first film that they've written together since Goodwill Hunting. That won them the Oscar, yeah. That's particularly... That's one of the things that has me really excited for this film. It's like, they, you know, could we be seeing the next, like, Goodwill Two Bostonians hinting. in the 14th century France. <laughs> and one of them. How do looks, you like them apples? I'm sorry. Uh, if, if anyone, if you go and you look at the um, the <laughs> set photos of this movie, Ben Affleck looks like Fred Durst. <laughs> you you just that just cracks you up, doesn't it's it? It's so funny looking. <laughs> He's got, I, like, I got the chin, the chin uh, strap going the, on. The one that looks the the best in all the set photos is Adam Driver. Adam, Adam Driver's yeah. in this film. He looks awesome in his suit of armor and in, like his long black hair and everything. He looks so, great. I'm yeah, excited. let's you know getting into uh, this this movie. Um, in Ridley Scott, obviously he's a great director and uh, he's really good at his period pieces. Obviously, Gladiator is is a fantastic film. But uh, this film centers around uh, on two people, uh, Jean de Caru, French uh, listeners. If I am butchering these names, uh, I don't know. Uh, get me with a uh, guillotine. Uh, and Jean Jacques de... Legree. Jacques Legree. Uh, they are ordered to fight to the death uh, after Caru accuses Legree of raping his wife. Ooh. So let me tell you something. Do you feel like they're going to do like French accents or no? I don't know. The w- probably not because I if I think of like you know Ridley Scott period piece, I think of uh, um, 
uh, gladiator, and they're all doing the transatlantic, like, British accent, mm, which is okay. fine. Like, that's fine. I don't need to do... Listen, I loved the uh, series Chernobyl on HBO, but everyone in Chernobyl, in that in that uh, series, who is supposed to be Russian, uh, has, like, these thick English accents, and of all people for the lead, they choose Jared Harris who is the most English-sounding person ever born. That's true. Uh, so, accents, I don't care. I don't care. As long as the movie is good, it's the the last legally sanctioned trial by combat in the history of France. You know, that's going to be that's gonna be pretty rad. I, I look forward to it. It'll be cool. Uh, I'm excited. But I, I gotta—I'm not gonna lie, Zach. I think the last film that I have here, in terms of my picks, I'm—I think I'm a little more excited for. Yeah, this one. Uh, when I heard what it was and wh- who was in it and who was helming it, I got pretty excited. Dude, let me, all right. First off, when's it, when's announced. it coming? Yeah, does do we even have a release date for it? So Netflix came out. All right, so this film is being distributed by Netflix, um, and they just released like their films in 2020, which like a brief screen of the the, the two characters in in a part of the film mm-hmm. uh, showed up, but they didn't associate it with a day or month. So I can only assume it's later this year. Although it's still filming, funny enough. So I don't know how they're going to get that turnaround. It might be delayed. I'll be honest. Anyways, I don't. I don't want to hold it up. I don't want to, you know, put it up in the air anymore. It's don't look up. Written and directed by Adam McKay, mm. starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. Adam McKay is probably my favorite filmmaker of the last two decades, um, with the most transformative career. Yeah. Uh, split in the middle between that, his earlier works, uh, <laughs> being a writer on SNL then having this amazing collaboration and uh, involvement with Gary Sanchez Productions and Will Ferrell yeah. working on on Anchorman and Step Brothers and Talladega Nights and then later with let me, the let other me ask guys. You, let me ask you, what is your favorite uh, film by Adam McKay? Pre, like his, let's say, what's your favorite of his like earlier films? Like pre-Big Short? Yeah. Um, okay, so I would definitely say probably the first Anchorman. <laughs> really? Okay. I <laughs> yeah, love yeah, the yeah. other guys. I think the other guys oh. is so unbelievably funny. The, un- the other guy, I agree a thousand percent. The thing is, I don't think he has a single bad film. I even like no, Anchorman no. too. No, I mean, I think, yeah, they're Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers. Step yeah. Brothers. Dude, I, I want to say, like, this This guy is a, is a fucking genius. <laughs> Billy, and then, you know, blur the shit out of that and that <laughs> one, too, because I cannot tell you how much I love this this guy. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. He's incredible. A, such a good director. And, and, um, and then he he subtly changes his career. Yep. With with the release of the big short from just doing, you know, regular standard kind of comedy satire to to just shoving the the greatest pieces of what i like to refer to like his liberal propaganda films i mean but he's, he's a proponent of like you know corporations yeah. and you know the government is corrupt and people should know about certain information and these characters and the stories that he's been telling since then uh are just a, a direct reflection of that but it's the execution he he maintains his comedy 
upbringing and and standards and implements them in these films in such amazing ways. The Big Short was such a an entertaining film to watch start to yeah. finish. But man, by the end, I was so depressed by the end of that film. I want to say I, I continue to watch that film any opportunity I get to. I think I've seen it at least like 100 times now. Yeah. I continue to put myself in that situation. All the celebrity little cameos like like Margot Robbie or Anthony Bourdain Anthony or Bourdain, Selena Gomez. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- that movie was fantastic. Vice. Also, also yeah, well, before I get into Vice, I just want to give a special, you know, acknowledgement to Steve Carell in that film. I know Steve Carell's first kind of big breakout in serious filmmaking was with Foxcatcher. Yeah. But oh, dude, another fantastic film. I know, but Steve Carell and, and you know his character in Big Short, dude. Oh yeah. my god, I I was I believed it. I was in it. It's this guy that just like he's he's tapped into something and no one's listening to him. I know, I know. And uh, and but the, I mean dude, everybody everybody I was gonna say everybody in Big Short brought their A game. Christian Bale, Brad Pitt, uh, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling, dude, Ryan Gosling playing just like this uber douche. Yeah, I'll tell you what the character or the the real life uh, person who was based who that character is based off of. He said many times like, ah, you know, I feel like they really played me as like a bad guy when I don't feel like I'm as much of a head as, you know, it may seem like it, which is kind of funny. Um, but, you know, when moving on to the vice, funny enough, when I first watched vice, I don't know if I liked it as much. But then just like Big Short, I watched vice maybe 10, 20 other times. And I'm like, oh, no. This movie is also it is it is just as good in terms of a follow up, in, ter- in you know in this in this new style of film that he's making mm-hmm. these like political uh, you know economical dramas about the way that the world is being shaped and what people do when these situations kind of came up. You know, we get the whole we get the Cheney presidency stripped of all vice presidency. If I, uh, well, no. He come on. <laughs> yes, come on. I know, I know. Oh man! Dude. But uh, way to open uh, a fucking window. T- speaking of which, you know, Christian Bale in that movie—it's one of those great Christian Bale transformations. Yeah, where unhealthy he, he, transformations. Let's, he, let's, let's 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 put a little. Uh, he a put on you that. know put on a lot of weight for that role uh, as uh, Dick Cheney and uh, Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush. Sam Rockwell. Oh, dude. Another fantastic actor. Yeah. Amy Adams as Lynn Cheney. Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld. Like, dude. Oh my God. So, yeah. Actually, a- a- Amy Adams is going to be in another film he is coming up soon. I forget the title of it, but she was announced to be leading uh, another one of the films he has in development. Not to mention his spinoff Ooh, Adam, show. Adam McKay. Ad, yeah, Adam McKay has, I think, his next film after this that was announced a while ago. Mm-hmm. Amy Adams is like, the lead role. Um, but great filmmaker. He had a uh, show that he was producing for HBO with uh, Jesse Armstrong called Succession. We've mentioned it before. It's fantastic. He also did uh, Eastbound and Down. Oh, there you go. Uh, an episode of Eastbound and Down, which very funny uh, uh, series. But uh, yeah, so what what is Don't Look Up about? Because just hearing about this uh, is uh oh! I realized we didn't even give the, the synopses. <laughs> right, so um, do it. Okay, so it's an upcoming political satire disaster comedy film. <laughs> I love. Uh, I just love that combination of words. Um, 
And it's about two low-level astronomers, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, attempting via a media tour to warn mankind about an asteroid that will destroy Earth. Dude. Yeah. Uh, it says, this, this story sounds so far-fetched, but, but I, I love can this. only it imagine. Who, you know, DiCaprio and Lawrence, who portray two low-level astronomers attempting via a media tour to warn mankind about an asteroid. It's yeah. like... <laughs> like what? I gotta tell you that you you get like a brief glimpse of them like walking out of um like this military style plane, uh as like it's as if it's the first stop on their tour. Mm-hmm. It's like just maybe five seconds long, but like Leonardo DiCaprio's face, he looks so scared about you know what is to come. Right. And Jennifer Lawrence is just kind of like deadpan, like in her face, like let's do this shit. Listen, and it, the lights make it look like she has red hair or something like that. Like I, it, they just do not look like the people that you want on your TV screen saying, look out <laughs> there. The earth will blow up. You'd be like, who the hell are these guys? But again, you know, we've been saying it, you know, this the whole episode, but like this cast, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Timothy Chalamet, Ariana Grande, Ariana Tyler, Grande. That's interesting. Tyler Perry, Ron Perlman, Chris Evans, like dude. And I realize. It's an Adam McKay film, so a lot. Some of these people could just be like kind of like bit little, like they show up, they say something funny, they leave. But like, you know, God, it's just Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi is in this movie, dude. I, I, you know, I, it, I don't think it's gonna be a bad film. I don't. Um, th- so they are still filming, is the thing. They're supposed to be finished maybe in February, um, which is why I was surprised for them to release like even some sort of imagery of the movie. You know, I know some people do that. Like Batman, they only shot a, a third of it, right. or not even, and they came out with a trailer, full trailer. What, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't uh, know what kind of, you know, if that is a good idea or not, but, uh, you know, hopefully they can fulfill the promise of 2021 while upholding the quality standard. And uh, I, I'm sure they will. I yeah. also had, I also made a short list of, and I quote, other films I'm interested in, but either haven't seen enough to form an opinion or gauge their quality. Uh, and it's just other movies that I we don't even need to get into, but just thought I'd just list them off. There's Coming to America that's coming to America. Um, it was a sequel to Coming to, T-O, America. Uh, the, Thank you for that <laughs> distinction. The movie with uh, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. Um, the first one is a comedy classic. Um the second one trailer looked funny. I think it relied a little too much on kind of repeating jokes from the first movie. Mm. And it's, it's kind of, it's made me think of like sequels in general in that like, okay, Hey, you've got a, you've got a golden pass to, to take the characters that you've already established and take them into a whole nother direction. And I just hope the whole movie isn't, just a victory lap um patting themselves on the back for uh uh for the first movie it's like yeah. if i want to if i want to hear jokes from the first movie i'll watch the first movie yeah um i, I agree i but, mean it's, it's good for a couple you know like yeah you know a little callback here and there but like you know especially cuz it's been so in long in the in the trailer you know they show 
they show uh, like all their characters that that Murphy and uh, Arsenio Hall play in the barber shop. You know, they show um, a lot of the old cast members, and that's fine. Like I'm very excited uh, to have all that. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Then uh, March 26, we got Godzilla vs Kong that recently moved up. And uh, oh, didn't it move up like three months? Yeah, as so, for our last podcast. So I'll say, uh, I'm a King Kong purist. I Peter Jackson's King Kong is my King Kong. Like, Dude, if that was a good one, it follows the original to a T. It is, it you know they make Kong a very complex character rather than just a big old monster, which I kind of feel like this iteration of Kong is. Especially because, like, when I think of Kong, I think of Kong on top of the um, uh, the Empire State Building, right? Mm-hmm. And this Kong is literally bigger than a city. <laughs> so... Yeah. Like, it, eh, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be fun to watch them It's It's punch a big each mega other. block... I'll tell you what, I actually have a really awesome poster of both the first King Kong... Uh, in this franchise and the first um, uh, Godzilla. So I'm going just to take these films because they gave me really cool artwork on my wall. Listen, I saw Godzilla King of Monsters and I liked all the monster action in it. So I'm sure it will be fun to watch. Too Listen. much human, not enough monster. <laughs> exactly. Here's the thing. I have learned, I think my weakness for shitty movies is giant monsters, because I actually really liked Rampage with The Rock. Yeah? Because uh, this is some pretty awesome giant monster fighting. What, what did you think of, um, what was Guillermo del Toro's, uh, I don't know, why am I forgetting Pacific Rim? Pacific Rim. I and love then the Pacific sequel, Rim. Pacific Rim Uprising. So I love Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim Uprising I thought was harmless. I said it's better than a Transformers movie. And That's I got true. and I get to see some cool robots fighting some giant monsters. Actually, and I'll tell you what the animation in Transformers always gets me. I love the animation. In and also, also it uh, had John Boyega, who is I feel very underappreciated for the effort he puts into his films. Um, but coming on down the line, uh, April twenty sixth, Mortal Kombat, probably gonna suck, but it's gonna be violent and gory, and they're gonna have the uh, the fatalities so i'm down yeah the set photos just came out it, you know it looks it just looks <laughs> uh, you know at least they you know the the cast is diverse and you know it, i'm sure good fun. good luck uh july 16th space jam a new legacy chris let me ask you are you is there enough of an of an age difference between us that you didn't grow up with Space Jam, or were you lucky I, enough to have? Space I Jam? never cared about Space Jam. I'll oh be honest, God. and I loved Looney Tunes. I watched Space Jam maybe like twice. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm very familiar. I've seen it, but it, I'll I'll tell you what though. It's just that era of basketball players: mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley. Yeah, you know those. It's that's definitely. I didn't find an appreciation for basketball until. You know, let's say two thousand four, five ish, and then by that time, the Heat, Miami Heat, stole my heart. Um, you know, enough time for Dwayne Wade to be, you know, like a hero, and you know, and then later right. on, we would get finally get the big three. I feel like this movie was announced when when LeBron James was on the Heat. 
Uh, I think that's when like whispers started going around, but yeah, hey, LeBron's in this movie. I can't imagine that Michael Jordan won't make an appearance. Yeah. And I, you know, if they could get Bill Murray back, if they could get Wayne Knight back, uh, I, I know I, you know, people would, you know, crucify me for saying this, but I want to say LeBron James is probably statistically as good of a player as Michael Jordan, uh, except for I feel like Michael Jordan has more rings than LeBron James. I don't in that number pay attention like, to sports much, but I like the Heat and I like LeBron. So LeBron is not on the Heat anymore, guy. I know. He plays I, for that's the why Lakers. they were. That's why there were two separate thoughts, bro, guy. Moving on, August 6th, we get The Suicide Squad. Great. It it will the uh, behind the scenes thing, you know, footage that they showed a couple months ago looked good, but we'll see. What I like about this one is that uh, apparently it's James Gunn. It's James Gunn, first of all, but apparently DC and Warner Brothers gave James Gunn the go ahead that like to kill any of the characters. Yeah, and he so, also said this is probably the biggest movie he's done and had the most freedom on in terms of like any film ever that he's ever worked on. So that's that's pretty great. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see anything's going to be better than the uh, David Ayer Suicide Squad. So I'm down. Um, I didn't write this one down. I actually just remembered this one. So uh, it's coming out uh, August 27th. I think it'll be on Disney Plus, and. Um, it is uh, directed by Peter Jackson. The Beatles get back, dude. So, I just watched the little preview that they released. Yeah, so on it, Disney Plus looks great. They found, I guess, they had fifty-five hours of footage from the recording recording of the Let It Be album, yeah. and so it is just kind of like a documentary showing the Beatles in their he's, element. He's been doing great kind of going back and restoring all these I think you know, I think pieces. the the Hobbit trilogy kind of burnt him out on big budget movies and I think he needed yeah. some small scale stuff to to make just to to wind down which is He can be more intimate with the footage too. I feel like cuz doing something like this still requires like a certain sense uh but I I also feel like it allows him to you know you're right take a step back and and just really kind of appreciate the thing without much oversight because you can't you can't really screw up the story of, of the <laughs> Beatles. It's only told in the way that they allowed it to be told. Yeah, you know? and and I mean, you no, know, it's interesting. Is uh, this is you know covering the the uh, recording of Let It Be? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a movie, a documentary called Let It Be that came out back in the day, way back. You know, you know, I think in the seventies or the sixties. By the Beatles about the creation of the Let It Be album, so it's going to be interesting to see how much crossover there is here. Yeah. I know in the trailer they already showed uh, a scene that I mean it's just a famous moment in the Beatles history, but uh, was featured in the Let It Be documentary from years ago, yeah. uh, which is the famous rooftop uh, concert where they had the police called on them. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm a huge Beatles fan. I took a college course on the Beatles, and uh, that's fun. Yeah, so I'm I, uh, I'm definitely. I, I want to ask you. Yeah, are are you familiar with like the early like film works like Hard Day's Night? Have oh, I that? I have Hard Day's Night on DVD. I love Yellow Submarine. But Help. I, uh, yes. I I want to tell you. I after watching Hard Day's Night, I think I solidified like George Harrison is my favorite Beatle of, of the Beatles. Personally. Yeah, yeah, I think the way that he plays his character in that just made me think, like, ah, oh, dude, like, 
Yeah, the, that's that's just great. That movie's great. My my dad saw the Beatles in concert, so you know. Oh really? Yeah, that's Dude, a that's sto- awesome. That's a story for another time. When we when we review the uh, Beatles get back, I'll tell that story. But um, he uh, you know, obviously I inherited my love for the Beatles uh because of my parents, and so I'm very excited about this movie. If you ever get a chance to watch Let It Be, the uh, the Beatles documentary of the Beatles. Watch the, it. Uh, there's a great scene of George Harrison getting shocked by his microphone. Yeah. Uh, and then a tech comes over to test it, make sure it's okay. He's like, "Yeah, it's good." And then he's like, "Okay, thanks." And he grabs it again, and then he gets shocked again. <laughs> so wonderful stuff. So good. Uh, let's see. Uh, November fifth, we got Eternals. Used to be the Eternals, but then uh, Justin Timberlake said, "Get rid of the drop the, the, the. yeah." So That's Facebook. <laughs> But uh, this one, you know, big cast, uh, Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, uh, Kamel Nanjiani, who is now just the most buff man. Cake, dude, awesome transformation. Yeah, uh, Richard Madden, uh, just tons of people. I don't know what's going to happen with it. This is kind of like their most like out there film, I think. So Since Guardians of the Galaxy the first. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. Um, what do we have next? The next one, which I just added very recently, um, which we forgot about, which uh, was Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, the true um, follow-up sequel to the original series. Yeah, sorry, versus Paul the one we got Feig. a couple years ago. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Paul um, Feig, your film was not good. Um, but I, the only reason why I want to bring this one up, not to mention it kind of brings back a lot of the, you know, as much of the original cast as it can. Um, but it's because the the director of this film is the son of... Yep. Uh, it's Jason Reitman, the son of Ivan Reitman. That's right. And uh, recently, I guess, an article came out saying that, you know, they viewed the film together and his dad says to him, like, oh, I'm super proud. Like, this this was fantastic. Like, he loved it. It looks... You know? from, from the trailer, it looks pretty good. And, I mean, the cast is good. So we got Carrie Coon... Uh, who uh, you know? She was in season she's in Fargo, three of, season three. Se- yep, season three of Fargo. She and, was in uh, Avengers: uh, Infinity War. Yeah, she was Proxima Midnight. She was in that. Sh- I think that show, uh, The Killing. Um, Finn Wolfhard, obviously, um, Stranger Things, and uh, it. Uh, yeah, we got one Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. I think he's kind of like like the the teacher almost. Uh, yeah, he, he's he knows about like the the Ghostbusters from back in the day, and he's like a fanboy of them. Yeah. But it looks like, you know, Bill Murray, Sigourney Weaver, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, the, Annie Potts, they're all back. I hope they get Rick Moranis to come back. I think he's slowly coming back to certain film TV roles if, if he came rumors back, are true. He came back for that one advertisement from... Um, uh, for Chime, or no, what was the thing? Ryan Mint, Reynolds. Mint. It's Ryan Mint Reynolds. Uh, wasn't it his uh, gin? His no, uh, I don't think it was the gin. I think Ryan Reynolds has also been doing mint. I think uh, okay, mint mobile or some uh, some weird green thing. Well, it's green. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's what I don't know. So you got back. I think you know it could be good. I like the first Ghostbusters. So and I'm... I think he's also going to be in the new Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, nice. Rick Moranis. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he's finally making his comeback, and very welcome back. It's unfortunate he got hit in the face uh, like a couple months ago in yeah. brooklyn you read about that yeah Dude, I did. that sucked man how are you gonna punch rick moranis 
you you got to be the worst kind of person. You're going to make him want to go back and raise another family. <laughs> I mean, come on, the guy's had a hard enough life. So, let's see, moving on. December 17th, why, that's one day before my birthday. Uh, oh, no. Spider-Man 3, tentative title. Um, the Dude, sec- this, this, the rumors on this could be an entire episode. So, itself. yeah, I, yeah we, we might do a Spider-Man 3... Uh, our what-if scenario. Our what-if scenario, but... Obviously, following up the crazy uh, cliffhanger ending of um, Spider-Man Far From Home, which ended Phase 3 of the MCU, uh, Peter Parker's secret is out, and all we know about this film is that... Literally everybody who's ever been in Spider-Man ever is in so this movie. It, it was like it was like this, this like, domino effect. It was like, well... J- Jamie Foxx is back as Electra, and everyone was like, "Wait, what?" And it's like, "Yeah, but he might not be the same Electro. He might just be playing Electro in a different capacity." It's like, "Oh, okay." It's like, "Oh, and Alfred Molina is back as Doc Ock." Wait, oh, what? And, and maybe Dane DeHaan is back as Green Goblin. Wait, what? And maybe. Uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst is back as M- uh, Mary Jane Watson. What? Maybe, just maybe, Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield are also reprising their roles as other Peter Parker. Spider Men. Yeah, dude. And maybe I, Charlie me, Cox is coming back as Daredevil. Dude, I don't even want to get started on. Just Apparently, the hype rumors. I I, I don't put much faith in rumors too often. Um, but a par- rumor has it that Charlie Cox has already filmed his roles as Daredevil. Um, I, I think it's. I don't know if it's as Daredevil. I think it's just as Matt Murdock for that's now. Fine, just to acknowledge that he exists in this Dude, world. Dude, I don't know. I don't know. This it like who knows at this point. Th- this uh, is not me. To- so and and this is also you know following up with um WandaVision, um kind of this overarching story that seems to be happening in the happening in part of the MCU of multiverse. Yeah, that's going. the thing. It's like I'm hoping that they don't open all these portals for them to just kind of close in on well, Marvel as a whole and ruin everything that they. I think it's kind of all, built the last ten years. It's all leading up to uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. So we'll have to see how this all plays out, but it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. And then I think the last film we have on the list for 2021, unless things go wrong, December 22nd, Matrix. The Matrix 4. It is um directed by Lana Wachowski. We're back with Keanu as Neo, Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity, uh I don't think Lawrence Fishburne is uh, is in this one, which is a little weird. You there? Yeah, oh, I okay. just I'm I'm thinking about it, uh, and I'm seeing thinking if if I can see. I don't. It's it doesn't they, say they, Lawrence they got, Fishburne. They got Jada Pinkett Smith as Niobe is back. They got what's his name Lambert Wilson as the Merovingian from uh, uh, Reloaded. Um, I, obviously, uh, there is no Hugo Weaving because Smith got, you know, destroyed. Got, got. <laughs> I'm just, I'm curious, what is this movie going to be about? Because I, what if it's like a retelling or like a, a reimagining in the modern age, some sort of Black Mirror 
I don't slash because yeah the whole idea is that the matrix it is always just repeating it'll happen again it's a cycle that is always happening and happening and happening and that's why things happened in you know the matrix happened the way they did because they had happened before and it's just this endless cycle um and it's I love the first Matrix. I think the first Matrix is... It's such a good movie, but it's so, I think, underappreciated for, like, how how deep it actually is. I think a lot of people are just like, yeah, it's cool sci-fi oh, action Oh, dude, what film. are you talking about? I, I took a course in college. Uh, it was called uh, Political Film and Fiction. And my professor, who's this esteemed PhD, JD uh, guy... Uh, that, yeah, that, that's a real great title. Um, he talked about the importance of this film and what it illustrates to like, you know, the you know its audiences. Like it, it's so important talking about the relationship of, you know, people and to society and like uh, the role of technology, as well as just kind of uh, the voices that you know we have as as citizens in in our world and what we can actually you know how we can command ourselves um, in a place that, you know, in a system where they would rather us kind of just do as we're told. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. I uh, just, I think the matrix is, is such an awesome film. I actually just recently watched it's a, it's an older video. I think it's from like, like six months ago or something, but uh, by the YouTube channel sideways where he, he breaks down a lot of uh, film scores and his, dissection of the matrix uh score is so interesting and you can see how much work went into that and you know i i think you know there's a lot of undercurrents in the first matrix film that i feel at the time were unappreciated and now with the wachkowskis both having gone through uh transitions uh, make a whole lot of sense, uh, you know, in retrospect. And I just think that this is a chance to make up for the second and third movie, which are not good. You know, uh, hopefully they, they, they get back on track with this one. Then, you know, yeah, that's, I, I don't, I don't know what direction they can go with. I'm not as much of a fan as of the other two as I am the, the first. Yeah. It's, um, they're there. So yeah. So we'll see. That's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm saying. If they try to kind of reimagine Matrix for us a little bit, that could be the best direction rather than to continue on what they were doing. Yeah, and um, uh, they've they've sh- I've seen like set photos. You got like Keanu. He, Keanu's got his like his John Wick look, you know, which is it, which is top tier Keanu appearance. Uh, you know, long so. hair, beard. Awesome. That's his He's, his uh his his John Wick or his uh Johnny Silverhand. I was gonna well, say, what's his character's name in in Cyberpunk? It's uh, Johnny Silverhand. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's that's 2021. Obviously, there's a bunch of shows coming out. There's you know, obviously all the all of the Disney Plus uh, shows. Uh, I don't know when Better Call Saul is coming back uh, for its final succession season. Succession season three is coming back. Succession uh, this, season three this year. I think um, at some point we're gonna get our uh, prequel to Game of Thrones. We're gonna House get... of Dragon. Oh, they they casted uh, what's his name? Um, the Doctor Who and the Crown. Oh, gentleman. oh, um, 
why am I Matt Smith? Yes. They casted him in it. I was pretty excited. I'm like, ooh, I just, like I said, I just started watching The Crown and great actor. Really love his role in that show. Yep, so, so I'm excited. that's going to be pretty cool. Actually, that's not coming out till next year. That's oh. a 2022 series. Humbug. But this year, it's interesting. We're celebrating, uh, this is the 10-year anniversary of Game of Thrones. Dude. Of the first season. Happy anyway. anniversary to Ned... Ed, Eddard Stark. Yeah. He, don't he party, was my favorite character. Don't party too hard or you might lose your head. Oh, no. Oh, I don't want to remember that. And with that, I think it's time we uh, we wrap this uh, this party up for, for this week on Script or Screen. I, I would agree. Uh, thank you so much for all the lovely insight, Zachary, uh, of these upcoming films that you and I are both excited for. Yes. Uh, ladies and, and gentlemen and all you lovely listeners, please remember, if we didn't list your favorite film here, let us know. What are you excited for? We want to hear it. We want to be excited for those films, too. Why are you excited about Dune? Tell me. Tell me all the things you love about Dune. Uh, uh, Where can they tell you, Zach? Where exactly could they, you know, maybe you leave could, a comment? You could comment on our posts on social media. That's our Facebooks, our Instagrams, our Twitters. Uh, we post on YouTube and would love to have an active comment uh, thread going there as well. You can send us messages uh, through, uh, what is that, through Anchor FM? Slash Script or Screen, and on our website, www.scriptorscreen.com. Guys, if you haven't even noticed, it just goes, they go to the same website. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's streamlined. You can leave a message. You can leave an audio message. It's a one-stop shop. You can write in shop. a message. One-stop shop. Your questions will be featured on the show. Be sure to ask them. So thank you all for for joining us on this look ahead uh we hope that most of the schedule stays the same and uh and uh you know we'll we'll see you in the movies bye have a good one goodbye